This is a pre-download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. David's next Sunday. Mother's Day, absolutely. Don't forget that one, yeah. So it's Mothering Sunday next Sunday. So certainly, it's quite late last. It's kind of got very early because all the dates in April are all kind of different. So, uh, so it's, it's a family service next Sunday. So bring people along to that. It's going to be a great time. That's next Sunday, next Sunday morning. Now, on the Saturday of that, we've got a special thing for Amanda. Do you want to show the video? Um, yep, so next Saturday, just a reminder, we've got an afternoon tea um, for Amanda. We're going to be blessing her as she goes out, so it's £5 a ticket. Uh, make sure you reserve your tickets so we know who is coming. It's a women's type event, um, and Amanda's going to share um, kind of a, a small um, teaching and talk about fearless love, which I am very sure will be incredible. Um, so she's going to be using all that she's learned on her DTS and when she did um, her course on counselling out in Belize as well. Um, so she's going to be using all the incredible things she's learned and her experiences and being able to put that into a talk. So make sure you're there because it will be amazing. Um, even if you don't know Amanda, actually it's still be an amazing um, afternoon. Um, so I encourage you all to come. Make sure you reserve your tickets. I, um, I don't actually know what time it is. <laughs> I'll be here probably most of the day. Um, what time two, is it? two o'clock. Two o'clock. Okay, two o'clock. Two o'clock until four. Um, so make sure you're there. Um, yeah, it'll be really great. Okay. Uh, I just say, Wendy was you were saying, uh, Wendy, if the men want to come along to hear Amanda, then you know I'm sure you're more than welcome if some of the men want to come along and. <laughs> I don't know the cake part, but you know, if you want to, uh, I, don't, I don't, oh, I don't know. I, when, oh, yeah, okay, that's, I think that's available as well. So, okay, so that'd be cool. Okay, so that's next Saturday. Make sure you support that; that'd be fantastic. We want to really bless Amanda. Probably the, she, she's going for two years. So that's a, it's a long time. So we want to say our farewells to her. So make sure that if you're able to come on uh, Saturday, that'd be fantastic. So see Wendy. In, you got the tickets, so see Wendy, make sure you get those tickets afterwards, that'll be fantastic. Just say this Wednesday is the prayer meeting, so come to the Wednesday prayer meeting, 8 o'clock, so the prayer meeting. What, what was doing this? I got this for. Stereo. Uh, okay, just say there's the prayer meeting on Wednesday, there isn't one on Friday, there's a prayer meeting on Wednesday, 8 o'clock, so again, if you're able to support the prayer meeting, it'd be fantastic, that's this Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Also, uh, I suppose advance notice really, but there's the new wine weekend. So those who are interested in the new wine weekend, that's taking place on the 2nd and 3rd of April. Uh, there's leaflets right there on the door, so make sure you take those, all the various information that's going on there. So that's the 2nd and 3rd of April. Again, that's the new wine week. And also Valerie's got a, a women's breakfast this Saturday, is it, at the Coatills at half past 8, 8.30. So if you're interested in going to the ladies' breakfast at 8.30, the Coatills then please see, uh, please see afterwards, okay? Why am I going to blank one? <laughs> okay, let's turn with your Bibles. <clears throat> Valerie, why am I going to blank one, Valerie? I don't, 
Ever had that experience? It happens a lot to me. I, do, I could, your name went a blank from my mind. I don't know what happened. But, okay, it must be age. When you, when, you, when you get to 40, it's a problem when you get to 40. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's interesting, a lot of the songs uh, we shared this morning, is, it's about this sense of victory. I want to I talk this one about having this sense of the power of recovery. Just talk recovery. How, how to recover. Uh, I'll explain what I mean by that as we go on. But if we read uh, 1 Samuel 30... From verse 3, 1 Samuel 30, verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burnt with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Anihim, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Camelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughters. I love this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. How many love that? Then David said to Abathar the priest, Abelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail shall recover all. I'm going to go down to verse 18 as well, which kind of sums up the whole episode, really. Verse 18. So David recovered all, the Amal- all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. Sons or daughters, spoil of anything, which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Just love this phrase, David recovered all. Just this sense, isn't it, of this, this incredible sense of, of just total recovery. Let me just give you a, a definition of the word total. It means everyone and everything without exception. A state of completeness and total and a perfection that nothing can be added to. In other words, the recovery was so total, you couldn't add anything to it, because it was just total and complete recovery. And I just love this thought that God is a God of recovery. God has this incredible ability to enable us to recover all things that have been lost. I would guarantee there's not one person that's through all of us. I don't think one of us in this place today has not lost something at some point. Is that right? All of us have lost things at some point in life. All of us are in that place that we've known loss in some way. You may have a loved one that's kind of wandered away from God. Maybe a loss in finance. Maybe a loss in some career. Maybe a loss in some emotional area of your life. Just something's happened and has left some sense of loss. There's some sense of loss. And I think that's true of every person. Not one of us can actually say we've not had any sense of loss. Is that, am I telling the truth? Is that right? The Bible, actually, when you think about it, is a Bible of recovery. That's what the Bible really is all about. It's about recovery. It's about that man fell and how redemption, God began to cause him to recover what he lost in the garden. Really, that's what it's about. Jesus came 
to enable us to recover back what Adam lost. Is that right? It's all about recovery. Everything about it's all about recovery. And I just love this sense that here is David, and he's in such an incredible, difficult, traumatic place. If you read it through carefully, he said he wept so much, he couldn't even weep anymore. Ever been there where you just weep so much, almost you can't weep anymore because it's just, you just almost feel you poured out your grief so much, you almost got nothing left to be poured out. And that's the condition he was in. He'd, he'd wept so much, he had no more tears to weep. And he was in this kind of very traumatic place. That he'd, he'd left the camp, if you like, and then the Amalekites had come in and stolen absolutely everything. Wives, children, everything they had. Everything had been totally removed. Everything totally taken from them. And he's distracted. Do you remember this thing? I, 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 used to, I remember years and years ago, when I used to work in those days, there's be something on the board that says, smile, things could get worse. Remember that? So I smiled and behold, things did get worse. I remember that saying. And this is almost David, you know, things surely can't get any worse, but they really did get even worse because now the people began to blame him, even though it wasn't his fault, to such a point they were going to stone him and kill him. So what was absolutely awful, distressful, was now again even worse. Even his friends, even his supporters wanted to kill him. Isn't it interesting, ever be in that place where sometimes, not through any fault of your own, people can blame you for things? And it kind of adds to the, to the, to the distress. It adds to the pain. It adds to the trouble. Now you're being blamed for something you never even did. And so here is that David in that position. And I love what happens. He begins then... To seek God. And God gives him three words. And these are the three words. I want to focus more on the last word. But look at the three words. And you'll find it right there in verse 8. Three things I believe in really are words for us today. Really for this hour. Find in verse 8. Three words there. Pursue, overtake, and recover. Isn't that awesome? Pursue, overtake, I like the third one, recover. Say that to me. Pursue, overtake, recover. Aren't they awesome words? I just love those words. Here's the first word. Pursue. And the word pursue means to advance. It means to search for and pursue with hostile intent. It means to catch or capture something with persistence. I kind of think, actually... If we're really to come into a place of recovery, if you like, then often we have got to come out of a, a kind of just get me by mentality. We can't accept the status quo. We can't accept average or, or kind of crumb mentality. Or what will be, will be Christianity. I think that we've got to come out of that. The Bible says something so powerful. It says, Jesus said this, it says, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. And what that actually means, it means to to use the power of God to overcome the power of the evil one. It means that we are spiritually aggressive in pursuit of the things of God. It means to have a holy resolve. It means to be persistent. Almost this sense that you refuse to be denied. That's the kind of spirit you need if you're going to recover all. I think there's something about a tenacity 
that releases God's power. Something about this sense of, well, I'm going to press in and I'm not going to give up until I've entered into what God has made available to me. That kind of tenacity, that, that spirit that never gives up. You know, it's never over until God says it's over. Is that right? And sometimes, I think sometimes we can give up too easy. We can pull back too easy. It's almost just when we're right there, through the pressures, through the, the difficulties, through what we see outwardly by circumstances, we can pull back. Rather than sometimes we need to, what? We need to pursue. I love that. Pursue with hostile intent. So, say the first word, pursue. There's the next word, overtake. And the word overtake means to achieve a level that you have lost. Not only to catch up, but to pass it over and overtake. It means to surpass the level you had. One of the things, how many love, one of the things I love about the UK, overtake. I love overtaking. How many love overtaking? You know, we can go above 35 miles an hour. And you could just get in the outside or the, the, the third lane, I suppose. I mean, you couldn't do even 90 in the third lane these days. But the point is, that sense of overtaking. I mean, love that. That sense where you overtake. And we're called to be a people that overtake. You recover your former condition and you go beyond it. You recover your vision. You recover your passion. I think it also means to, to face the things that have defeated you. I thought about life that sometimes there's things that constantly defeat us time and time again. It could be a fear that just every single time you're making progress but that fear seems to knock you back every time. It could be an attitude that's in your heart and every time you're making progress this attitude rises up in you and you just pulls you back again. It could be just some response, some, something, some way you react to something. Everything's going well but somehow, somehow, you constantly react to that situation. Ever had something or someone that seems to kind of get under your skin? You know what I'm talking about? And, and it makes you react. And you think, oh, every time that person or that thing reacts, I react to it every time. And it constantly pulls me back because of the way I react to that, because of the way I respond to that situation. A wrong response, a wrong reaction. And every time it seems to be that, it pulls me down. Just something in your life that's actually stopping you from overtaking, that keeps you at the same level, the same, that same situation. That thing that constantly pushes you back. And almost I feel today God's saying, God wants you to face your giant and defeat it. I love David's attitude. The people were saying, that giant's too big, it's going to beat you. David said, it's too big. I can't miss it. And that's what we want, this sense that, that no matter what the giant has been, I'm going to overtake. And I think when we take that attitude of heart, there's almost something supernaturally begins to be released and enables us to be a people that are overtaking. Going from one dimension, one level, one degree of glory to another. You know, we're, we're constantly growing. New levels, new dimensions in God because there's an attitude that says, I've come to overtake. I'm not going to stay at the same place I'm at. I'm not going to stay at this level. I'm not going to stay at this status quo. But I'm going to come into a new level in God. Can you say amen? I'm a person that overtakes. So I pursue, I overtake, 
And then we come to the third one, which I'm going to spend more time on. Recover all. Because when you're in that attitude of pursuing and you're, you've got this, you're pursuing with hostile intent, you're seeking to, to overtake, then the, act, the, then the next point is that you come into recovery, restoration. I love that. You know, and God's idea of restoration doesn't just bring you where you were before, it's always better than what it was. That's how you know if God's restored you to something. Because if God has restored you, then you always will be better than what it was before. Isn't that right? He never brings you back to the same level. It will always be better. It will always improve. It will always bring increase. Because not only would he bring you out in bring you out, but you'll be inspired, you'll be stronger, you'll be happier. Is that right? I think that's restoration. When you know you came out of that, and I've come out of that situation better than when I went into it. I'm stronger. I'm more anointed. There's a greater joy. There's a greater peace. There's a greater strength than what I knew before. I've come out of that hard, difficult situation, but I know I'm far better than what I was before I went into it. Can you say amen? Recover all. You think about this verse, just came to me. The Bible says that we are what? More than conquerors. Isn't that powerful? What's more than a conqueror? You think conquering will be enough, but it says more than a conqueror. You know what it means to be more than a conqueror? It means that you've battled, and out of that battle, you gain more than what you had before you went into the battle. Because you're more than a conqueror. And that's God's kind of vision and purpose for you. You would be more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Isn't that lovely, the dimension of the Christian life? We don't just face battles and come out of it and just kind of just come, come through by the skin of our teeth. This idea that I just come through that by the skin of my teeth. I just survived it. God's idea is that you come out of it, but you come out of it more than what you had before you went in it. More than conquerors through him that Loves us. I love it, I love it, I love it. And so whatever the enemy has taken, because I believe there's recovery for all kinds of levels in situations where, where your loved ones have wandered from God maybe, or, or in relationships, in health, whatever he has taken over the last two or three years in your life, I really believe that God is saying, recover, recover, recover. All that has been lost. How does that happen? I just want to give you a few, I suppose, a few principles really from this scripture, how we recover all. Go to verse 1 of this, because here's the first one. I've talked about this over the last three or four weeks, but sometimes you can hear something time and time again, and sometimes you need to keep hearing it so it gets a hold of you. Look what it says in verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men went to Ziglach on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. Now, what is Ziglag? You know, Ziglag was a significant place for David. It was the inheritance of Judah, which brings me to the first way you recover something. And that is through praise. I think the way we come into a place of recovery has to be through taking the place of praise. Because the word Judah... Everybody knows what the word Judah means. It means praise. That's the word Judah. It means praise. And it's interesting 
the Amalekites attacked the place of praise. Because I found one thing I know about the enemy. He knows the power of true praise. And the one thing he attacks more than anything I know is he attacks praise. He attacks worship. Because worship actually and praise causes your eyes to be focused on God. And so what the enemy is doing is attacking your focus. Because out of praise will come triumph and triumph will bring victory. And if we're really to be in a place where we see recovery in our lives, then that's the first place it always begins. It's in the place of praise. Look at Psalm 22. Again, some of these things I mentioned before, but it's good to just remind ourselves. Psalm 22. We often take the third verse, but kind of sometimes forget what went before. Look at Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. In a night season, and, and I'm not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. So here he is. He's, as you read that psalm, you discover that he's in this incredible dilemma in life. This real, real dilemma. And so David responds to that dilemma. He says, the greatest thing I can do, God, is praise you. So what's this praise? It's like, a, it's like a door that enables God's presence to come into your circumstance, come into your situation, come into your problem. It's a door that opens the presence of God into that situation. And, I, and he says, that, 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 he says you're, you're enthroned. In other words, praise builds a throne or a seat or a place for God to come. How do you know sometimes? It's a good... A good way to realise it. How do you know when people don't want you to stop in your house? You know, you know how, how you tell? Because <laughs> they shut the door. But if they do open the door, that's a good point. But if they open the door, they let you in. There's <laughs> the next stop where they kind of maybe don't want you to stay too long. Is they will never offer you a place to sit. Is that right? <laughs> you know, because you know, the longer you stand up, the more you're thinking, you know. And so, but, and often it's the same with God. When we don't offer him praise... Actually, we're saying, God, we're not, we don't really want you, we're not really offering you a place to stay very long. Because God says, I'm enthroned. When you offer me praise, you offer me a seat. A place where I can come. A place where I can rest. A place where I can pour my presence upon. And so, sometimes in those circumstances and situations, as we begin to praise him, God comes into that, he comes and sits, if you like, in those, in those situations that we face. Bible says that as we praise him, we offer him a seat to come and sit. But also, this is so beautiful, they're almost, we were told, for, for the spirit of heaviness, put on what? The, the garment of praise. I found actually in life that often heaviness can be like a, a garment that's on you. It can be pain in your life. It can be something that's it's just over you and you feel the, the, the heaviness of that situation. You feel a heaviness over you, an oppression. And then whatever you do, you kind of... I find people who are living with a, it's an incredible sense of, of foreboding, like a heaviness that seems to constantly be, be over their life. 
And the Bible says, when you feel that cloak, that heaviness over you, then I've got a, I've got a garment that you can put on that can lift it. It's the garment of praise. Because when that garment of praise is on you, it's all over your life, it's over your head, it's over your body, it's all over the whole of your being. And the garment of praise, when you make a quality decision to praise him, God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to lift that heaviness off. I'm going to lift, and you found, I found that time and time again, sometimes there's that, where you feel that kind of heaviness or that discouragement over you. And when you begin to praise him, it's as if that heaviness and that discouragement suddenly begins to lift. Because one thing praise will always bring is joy. It's almost you kind of drop in this bucket, and as you pull the bucket up of praise, there's joy attached to it. A sense of peace begins to just be poured over your being. And so David says, through my real heartache, I will praise him. And it says, interesting, as you read that in 1 Chronicles 30, it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. I love it. Because there's the point. Before that, the Bible says, their hearts, almost the heart had been taken out of them. Ever had that situation where, where you face something and you haven't got the heart to face it? You know, people may say, do this and do that, but you don't feel you've got the energy or the power to even do it. You know what to do, but if you haven't got the energy or the power to do what you know you should do. Is that right? And so the first thing David did, he knew that God had said, recover, pursue and overtake all those things, but he had to strengthen himself to be able to do those things. Is that right? And so the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in order to put himself in a position to pursue and overtake and recover all. You know how he strengthened himself? I believe he began to just thank God. And as he began to thank him and praise him, God strengthened him to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Look at this psalm. I love this psalm. Psalm 78. I think what thankfulness does helps you to remember the things that God has done. When we begin not to thank him or praise him anymore, I tell you what it creates. It creates a dullness of heart. Your heart feels dull. There's a dullness of heart. But when you come into a place of praise and thankfulness, it almost awakens your heart. Breaks the dullness and the apathy. Psalm 78, verse 9, first of all, says, The children Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep covenant with God. They refused to walk in his ways. They forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Marvelous things he did in their sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. Go down to verse 41 very quickly. It says, Yes, again, they tempted the God... And they limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. In other words, as you begin to thank him, it, it, you begin to strengthen your life. As you meditate on his past faithfulness, it's the way he strengthens you. If you want to strengthen yourself for tomorrow, thank him for your todays. As you thank him, and appreciate all the things he's done in the past in your life, it strengthens and empowers your life. So there's the first way to recovery, very quickly, is 
to praise. There's a second thing. It says that he inquired of the Lord. He sought God. He asked for a priestly garment, the ephod. You know what the ephod was? It's a priestly garment that actually had all the stones. And on those stones had all the tribes of Israel. And often if they wanted God to speak to them or direct them, they would take this, this ephod. Because what would happen is supernaturally, those, those if you like, those jewels, the, there were jewels basically, jewels on the priestly garment, isn't it good to know that you're a jewel in the sight of God, incidentally? But those jewels would light up, and they required that those jewels would light up, and they would give direction, they would give the word of the Lord to direct them. And I love this sense that David, first of all, he sought God. He says, God, I'm seeking you. I'm seeking your face. And so often when we face a need for recovery, that's what we need to do. We need to seek God's face. Seek him. Go after God. Seek God. Seek him. And I I love this thought because he went to this priest, Abathur, and said, look, would you come in agreement with me over this situation and begin to sort of inquire the Lord together over this. You know what that speaks to me about? That when you're facing a need of recovery, a great thing to do is find someone that you can get to agree with you. A place of agreement. I believe there's power in the, in the prayer of agreement. Don't believe that. Where two or three are gathered, where if two agree, agree on anything touching earth. Almost, I believe there's power when two or three people, you get someone that you trust, someone that you love, someone that you know, and say, look, here's my situation. Here's the word of God. I believe this is the will of God. Would you agree with me on that situation? It's very interesting. I think it's a powerful verse. In one, because I found actually, when I pray with my wife, Angie, it's almost, we, we see so many breakthroughs and we come together and pray in agreement. There's something powerful there. In that power of agreement. Two or three. And, and I found that there's that power. In 1 Peter, he says something very powerful. It encourages why you need men to have a good relationship with your wife. So I'll tell you why. It says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Is that right? In other words, what the enemy wants to do is sabotage that. Why? Because he knows there's power in agreement. Acts 4 is powerful. It says, they lifted their voices as one. And says, God, stretch forth your hand and perform mighty signs and mighty miracles. In other words, they lifted their voice. There was a unity of voice as the people of God came together in a common agreement. God responded as they lifted their voice as one together. There's something powerful when the body, when people come together in agreement. Why do you think the enemy wants to divide? where God comes to bring unity. Because in unity, his power and his presence and anointing is released. Can you say amen? So he sought the Lord, going to agreement. There's the next thing he did. He got into faith. Verse 8, he says, he went and pursued. I think one thing we need to see Faith is action. We have to release our faith. We have to have action. I think almost there's something about action. He heard the word of God and he acted on what God said to him. In other words, if we were to recover all, 
We need to say, God, what have you said? And what you have said, begin to act on what God has said. Faith always requires action. How many realize that? It's interesting that when people came to Jesus for their breakthrough, if you like, did you notice he always required some action? For some he said, rise up and walk. Others he said, stretch out your hand. For the woman with the issue of blood, she touched his garment. For the people who tore out the roof, the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, notice he saw their faith, there was an action, and because they did an action, God responded to their action. And what God will require of us sometimes for our breakthrough, for our recovery, often he will require some action. Because faith always has action. Now notice this. Faith is a gift. That's right, we don't earn it. Faith is a gift. But in order for faith to be developed, there has to be action for the faith to grow. You think of, if you ever do any exercise, occasionally, you never do exercise, whether you, as Thursday here, Boxerthon, I'm sure Clive would love to see you, or there's different, you can all do all kinds of different things. You know, one thing when you do different exercise, how many found muscles ache? Ever had that, you know, your muscles ache, or your kind of legs ache, or, and it's interesting, you, you keep doing that kind of, I don't know, with the weights, and wherever else you keep doing that for a time, or keep running, or whatever else you're doing. First couple of days, you're in agony, and you get out of bed, everything's aching, and that goes on for a week. But when you do it day in, day out for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, it's amazing how you get accustomed to it. It doesn't hurt anymore. In other words, that muscle has reached its capacity. And the only way that muscle is going to grow is that you've got to stretch it a bit more. And that is often the same with faith. You have faith. But in order for that faith to grow and develop, God will require action. And then you get used to doing that. Do you know when you first, I don't know if you ever, first time you ever prophesied, oh, man, that was such a big, massive thing. And then you kind of, we do things and we get kind of accustomed to it. And it's not such a big challenge anymore. And so we've got to constantly looking for other ways we can stretch. God will always require certain things for us to do so we can stretch our faith. So our faith can grow. So our faith can develop. Faith will always require what? Action. Hebrews 11.1 tells, defines what faith is. It says, now faith is the evidence of Things not seen. Can I turn around that, turn around that the opposite way, and say that unbelief almost is actually belief in only what you can see. It's actually it believes the the, the visible realm is superior to the invisible realm, where faith actually believes that the invisible realm is far superior to the visible realm. Faith is the evidence of things what not see. So if you can see something, what don't you need? Faith. What's the evidence of something you can't see? You know what the evidence? How do, how do you know it exists? How do you know what you cannot see exists? That's proof that it exists. You know how I know healing exists? Because it's right there in the book. You know how I know provision exists? Because it's there. You know how I know strength is there? Because it's in the book. And so even though I cannot see it, the evidence that it exists is in the book, is in the word of God. 
How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. David inquired of the Lord. He got a word from God and then acted on what God said to him. And so we say, God, what is your word for my circumstance and my situation right now? You inquire of the Lord, God gives you his word, and you act upon the word, and then God begins to respond to your situation. Isn't that wonderful? Faith always requires action to recover all. Here's the next thing. I want to finish with this one. Let's look at this one. Finish with this one. Look, I'll get into verse 16 of 1 Samuel 30. He says, when they brought him down and they were spread out. Oh, yes, sorry. Yes, it's eating and drinking and dancing because all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of... Sorry, verse 17. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Here's the next, here's really the, the, a powerful thing if we want recovery. I think we need to attack the enemy. In other words, we have to use our authority. If we're to see recovery, we have to take our authority. Let me give you a great verse. Luke 10, verse 19. Luke 10, verse 19. If we want to recover or we want recovery from those things that have been lost in life. We need to use that authority. Verse 19 of Luke 10. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and notices over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And that word for, for authority there means delegated authority. Jesus said, I give you delegated authority. Here's the picture. You know, if you're driving down the road and a policeman, ever had that and he pulls you over? Now, if I was to do it, you'd probably just drive past. You know, right? A policeman does it and, yes, sir, and you kind of pull over straight away. Why? Because he has delegated authority. And you respond to that authority. <laughs> I think that God says, you have Delegated authority. You know, hey, I want you to see something. The devil knows the authority you have. The problem is often we don't. And if we're to see recovery, we have to learn to realize that we have been given authority. I think half the problem is sometimes we become the devil's doormats and we just let the enemy come and go as, he, as he, often as he pleases. But you have authority over the enemy. And we need to, to, to say, God, show me. Give me revelation. That's part of knowing who you are in Christ. If you're in Christ, then the Bible says, where are you? You are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And the Bible says the devil is beneath your feet. You have authority over him. And you have to use that authority often by using commands. Command the enemy to leave your children. 
Command the enemy to leave those circumstances. Command the enemy to take his hands off your spouse. Begin to use your authority and begin to use commands. Now, it may not happen right there the moment you do it. You have to persevere. You have to keep using the authority that God has given to you. And as you begin to use that authority, you're going to begin to see recovery. I always remember some powerful man of God, almost, he was saying, he was telling us somewhere, where he was in a meeting and he had a vision of a demonic power, a demonic spirit that was operating in that meeting. And he says, God, what are you going to do about it? And God says to him, not what I'm going to do about it, but what are you going to do about it? I have given you authority. And I think sometimes we're very wary about using that. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you not to realize and recognize the authority that is truly yours in Christ. And I think when believers begin to rise up to their authority, they begin to drive out the plans and the schemes of the evil one. But we've got to see the authority we have. We've got to realize that we have authority over those things. The Bible tells me, you know, it's an incredible thing about it, you know, all the weapons of the devil, the Bible says, that Jesus stripped him of his armory. He stripped him. The only weapon the enemy really has is his mouth. That's the only weapon he has against you, is his mouth. And it's whether you believe that the things that he says. That's the only weapon he has, is his mouth. You have amazing weapons. You have the weapon of the name of Jesus. I mean, if that's an amazing weapon. At the name of Jesus. What a weapon, the name of Jesus. Devils must bow at the name of Jesus. You have the weapon of the blood of Jesus. The blood. They overcame him by the word of the testimony and the blood of the what? Lamb. You know what your other weapon is? The word of God. When Jesus faced the enemy, he didn't argue with him. He didn't debate with him. He said, it is written. How do you launch the prayers? Because you can have a missile. What's the point of having a a missile head if you've got nothing to launch it? What's the point of having weapons if you can't launch your weapons? Is that right? You know what our missile is that launches our weapons? It's prayer. As you release prayer in the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of God, then you launch weapons to destroy the strongholds of the enemy. Isn't that wonderful? Whatever the strongholds are, whatever mountains, whatever things rise up against you, which is opposed to the will of God for your life, you can demolish them by using the weapons of warfare. I'm saying this morning, listen, I think there's things in life that we don't have to put up with. We can begin to take our authority and say, devil, enough is enough. You have tormented me with that situation for too long. I'm now taking the authority that you've given me over that circumstance. Can you say amen? And finally, I'll just give you this. I won't talk very long. I'll just throw this out. In verse 26. So let me just give you one verse. I, I just got, I said I've got to give you this one verse connected to authority. I, I forgot this. But this is a great Psalm 56. I just love this one. Psalm 56, verse 9. Just take this home with you and meditate on it. Psalm 56, verse 9. When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. 
Isn't that lovely? When I cry to you, my enemies, they turn back. I love it. And here's the last thing David did, and probably a few more other things. But verse 26. I'll just throw this out. I won't spend very long on it. I'll just close with this. Verse 26. Now David came to Ziglag. He sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for you, for the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. I love it. In other words, uh, he wanted to bless somebody else. Whenever God blesses you, we're not blessed for us. How many realize that? We're blessed so that we can be a what? A blessing. And so David got recovery. He got the stuff back that had been lost. But he used some of the things that, that, are, that, are, that God had restored back to him. He used that as a means to bless somebody else. That's why we want recovery. Not just for us, but so that we can bless somebody else. You see, where you get a victory over means that you're going to be able to encourage and enable somebody else to get that same victory. Is that right? Because you've been there and you know how to come through it. We want love and we give love. So whatever we get from God, we, we look for ways to just give it away. We just constantly are looking to give and give and give and give. So the more you pour out, the more you open your heart for God to pour more into you. So the things God blesses you with, it's not just for you to hold on to. It's for you to give away and look for ways and means to bless others. Can you say amen? You just say, God, my whole life, everything I've won, everything I, I win the victory for is to enable me to be a blessing to somebody else. Let's just come forward right now. Let's just come before him right now. I just want to, I suppose, pray a special prayer really in these moments. <clears throat> just take home those three words. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. I just want to come right now. You're here this morning. and Maybe you're, you're looking at something right now in your own heart, in your own life. And you're saying, God, I can see where the enemy has stolen or I'm looking for recovery in that particular situation of my life right now. I just want you to spend a few moments just believing that God can bring recovery to that situation. and Believe that God can recover it. And what I'm going to ask in a few moments, once you've got that, I'm just going to simply ask you, as a, a son, if you like, a, as an action of faith, just to simply stand where you are in a moment, as saying, "Lord, I'm claiming that recovery for that situation right now." God knows what it is. Maybe no one else knows about it, just you. But you're looking for a recovery over that situation right now, and you're believing in the God of restoration, the God of recovery, and you're standing in faith, believing He can do it. So right now, if there's something in your heart that the Lord has put there, you say, Lord, I'm just coming right now. I'm standing as an act of faith, believing in the God of recovery, the God of restoration. So as the Lord begins to move, people say, as the Lord begins to move on your heart, but you just begin to stand. And I'm just going to pray for an anointing to come on you, to bring recovery. It would be kind of cool right now, if you're near someone, just put your hand on them right now. And, and just begin to just believe for them right now. Where two or three are gathered... We believe for recovery, restoration. It could be families, spouses. It could be 101 things. We are believing today in the God of recovery, the God of restoration. 
There's nothing he can't restore. There's nothing that he can't recover in your life. I'm believing that right now. Father, in your name right now, we, we lift our hearts to you and we believe that you are the God of restoration. Lord, we speak to those circumstances. We speak to those things that, Lord, has been really, in a sense, lost today. And we ask you now to come and bring recovery right to those situations. We, we speak recovery. We speak restoration right now. We say restore, 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 restore. We release your restoring ability to come into those circumstances right now. We ask you, Lord, by your power, by your strength, by your power, by your mercy, that you would restore all the years the locusts have stolen. We call it back right now. We call it back. We call back the treasures that are in darkness right now. We call back those treasures right now. We call back the treasures. We call them back right now. We call back what the thief has stolen. We catch the thief and we command the thief to restore back to us twice what has been stolen. Lord, we release right now your restoring power, restoring ability. And we give you all the praise. We thank you for what you're about to do now, Lord. We thank you. We stand in faith. And Lord, we we, we say as you bless us that we will bless others. And we give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 